Lorimer Podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Pete Lorimer Podcast, the real estate entrepreneur podcast, the best podcast for all of you people out there who are trying to make a difference in the world by starting your own businesses and following the beat of your own drum. Um, I have been around for about 4,000 years, so I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. But the evolution of social media is really only about a decade old. And I'm going to bring on the show today, well, he's already here. I'm going to bring someone on the show who is a Instagram social media branding ninja. And we're going to find out what the fuck is going on with Instagram and all, all the other platforms, but we're going to be doing a big, deep, dirty, filthy, guttural dive into Instagram today. Um, and we may touch on a few other things, but I want to welcome to the show, Mo Ishmael. You are a legend already, my friend. Welcome to the show. Peter, thank you for having me. Wow, what an introduction. I'm super excited and stoked to be having a conversation with you. Yeah. You know, the, ple the pleasure is all mine, right? So uh, uh, a lot of times I have real estate agents on here, but you do something in, in, in not just the real estate industry, in, in commerce, which is so freaking vital. You are a navigator mm. of people who go, great, well, I started my business. Uh, I want to do social. Mm, what now? <laughs> So right. why don't you tell the the uh, the folks out there, just give them a little bit of your history and a brief history of where you came from and, and, and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Mo Ismail online. I go by Mo Isma. You're probably hearing me yell like, hey, hi, hello. I go by the name Mo Isma. And uh, I run a company by the name of Mox, which is short for makers of content. And we are a video content creation agency. So our focus is to help entrepreneurs and small business owners amplify their authority, their awareness and their affluence using video content marketing on channels like Instagram and YouTube for them to attract leads and generate conversations that eventually turn into customers. And my background, funny enough, is actually in academia. So I was a college instructor for the longest in communication. And <clears throat> my, my research and my passion has always been like, how do we use and leverage communication to build relationships? And then you know, while I was finishing up my master's degree, the entrepreneurial bug hit me. And I was like, I can always come back to academia. Academia is always going to be there. University is always going to be there. Let me try this for 10 years. And if it doesn't work, I'll come back. And here we are. So now I leverage my background in calm and psychology and mix it in with marketing to create content that amplifies people's messages and turns them into really my, my passion is to help someone become a thought leader in their space. And I think you know, that's what... Really Sorry, sorry, Mo. It, it's it is it is really fascinating because I watch. You know, it's like I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm trying to think of a, of a of an example that will make sense, and it probably won't. But I I, I look at so the social media landscape or the media landscape is a jungle, right? Mm. And it is it, it is just as kind of vicious and cutthroat as as any jungle. But what how I used to hunt food seven <laughs> yeah. years ago has changed right sure. and i think what i think we're we are transitioning into the, there are lots of micro changes but there's mm. a big shift happening right now there's instagram's getting drained with tiktok and there's, sure. a, there's a big shift of of those people who really have always had social media mm -hmm. um kind of growing up and and i feel the the drum that i always banged for years was authenticity and and you got to believe what you're selling, otherwise you can't sell it. But, you know, I, I think that if an entrepreneur is out there and they're like, well, I've got my business and I want to promote it. And this guy's doing this. Should I be the Gary Vee of cupcakes? Mm. You know, because that's what people's instinct is. What would what would be your first kind of inclination? What, what would be your first guidance? It's funny because what you just said is exactly what all my clients on the phone say. Well, we just want to be like Gary Vee. We want to create a bunch of content. And my first question is like, what's your end game? What's the goal behind why you're creating content? Is it to build brand like Gary Vee, where he's playing a very, very long game? Or is it to generate conversations to nurture leads for your business? 
And usually it's the latter because they're either in the early stages or they've just found out their business is doing well. And they found out, okay, I need to leverage this content marketing thing if I want to survive in my space. And at that point, the conversation changes. I'll ask things like, what is your capacity? Like, what is your, what, when I say capacity, it means like, how much are you able to be consistent and what's your cadence? So how much time are you willing to allocate to something like this? And, and for me, what we do is we find the business owners that don't have time to be content creators, right? They don't have time to sit there and film themselves. And we try to position them in a way where we allocate just one to two hours of their time a month and do a deep dive interview and then cut that up into smaller forms of content that can work. So the first thing I have to understand is the capacity game for that person. How much are you willing to put into it? How much time do you have? And then overall, what do we want the strategy to look like? Do we first just want to grow an audience before we start selling to them? Or do we want to nurture an audience that you already have by educating them with uh, deeper dives in content? Or do we want to start selling? And each of those look different based on the kind of content we're going to create and how the content is shaped and how it flows, particularly when it comes to video. So if you're someone who's thinking, I want to be the next Gary Vee, I want to ask you, what is your end game with creating content and where are you at right now? And what kind of capacity can you put into it to be consistent? Cause the game in social is consistency. It's not this like honeymoon phase. And then you kind of stop posting. You have to be able to ebb and flow with a rhythm. That's good for you. Right. You know, it's funny. I remember when, when Gary kind of exploded onto the scene, I was put, I was chugging out a lot of content mm -hmm. and then Gary, <laughs> Gary came on the scene and I was like, wow, this guy's like freaking putting something out every 10 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and I was, I tried to keep up with him there for a minute. Right. Sure. And, I, and I fell into the trap, which I, I think is valuable to talk about. I fell into the trap because I, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot older than you. And I, and I, I, I was around when Twitter was born. Right. Mm. I was, uh, deep in my, I don't know, thirties when Twitter came out. And so I jumped on Twitter. Then I jumped on Facebook. Well, I was on MySpace first and then I jumped you know, on Instagram and then freaking YouTube. And then, and it's like, and then, and then, and then, and then, mm -hmm. and then what I found is I found there was a burnout factor and I found out, I found there was a kind of vanillaization of content as it was disseminated in a very similar fashion across many platforms. So me and the team, my, my team and I decided probably about six months ago, I am only going to fo focus on Instagram right now. Mm. I'm going to re, re harness that, use YouTube as a, as a, as almost like a library, mm -hmm. but I'm going to re harness Instagram. And then once I've re harnessed what I want to do, and, and we went through a massive reset, which I, I, I will talk about later, but I went through a, a period of like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Where are we? What? Hang on. What used to work doesn't work. And, 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 and I, I had that conversation internally about, Am I afraid of losing followers? Mm. So therefore, am I posting content to them? Or am I really doing what I love? And I reached a point where I'm like, fuck this. I want to do what I want. I don't care if I lose all my followers. And that was a cathartic moment. What, mm. What's your opinion on all that, Mo? I think what you just brought up is super powerful, especially if it's someone who's considering doing content moving forward, which is you're going to try to emulate what other people are doing but the issue is their strategy and where they're at in their business is completely different. So your story is not different from many people. They try to just do a bunch of output that doesn't go anywhere because there's no destination for what the strategy is. Let's just break it down very simply. And I tell this to my clients and um, I tell this to the people that I teach online. There's so many tactics out there. Do, the, do a skit, use a trending sound, uh, show up uh, vlog style. Let's just back up. There's only seven C's that I like to call when it comes to the social media game. And I'll break it down. It's consistent, compounding content that's clearly communicated to an ideal consumer to drive conversation. Consistent, compounding content, clearly communicated for the consumer to drive conversation. Now the question becomes... The best. That might be one of the best sentences I've ever heard regarding social media. Please carry on. Much love, much love. So breaking that down, tactics aside, how can you be consistent? Like Peter just said, he had to completely reform his content strategy because of burnout. Consistent consists of two other C's, 
your capacity and your cadence, your capacity. That's, that means how much time can you allocate and where do you need to be based on your audience? And here's what I recommend. There's two types of content. There's SEO content for search engine and there's social content. So you need to pick a platform where the SE, where it will drive SEO. This can be YouTube if you're trying to maximize on video or it can be blog to maximize written. Then just pick one social platform and master that. Just like Peter said, now he's focusing all in on Instagram. The reason why social is for Google to pick you up, or sorry, um, SEO is for Google to pick you up when someone's searching for something. Social is for you to be in the trenches having conversations. And now we're talking about content clearly communicated. I want you to know exactly who you're talking to. So the things that you say actually resonate in their hearts and minds or else it's going to fall flat. That's why Peter was saying, well, I tried to do all of this content and it felt like it was just copycat across all platforms because it was more quantity than it was like the depth and the quality. And the ideal consumer, you have to know who you're talking to. Like if I'm a, if I'm a stay at home mom with my own business and I'm trying to help other stay at home moms run their business while doing a family, right. While having a family, last thing I'm going to talk about is like this hustle culture or, or try to be aggro bro. It won't resonate with them. Instead, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about like how to allocate your time while raising your newborn and not letting your business die. So I'm finding their problems, finding the things that are going to resonate with them. And then driving conversations. Here's the biggest mistake that I see so many people do. They post the content and then they, they fucking, they just leave. <laughs> and it's like, yo, what are you doing? Like, oh, well, surely when I drop the content, people are going to just, you know, gung-ho and no. So you have to drive conversation and this has to be intentional. What that means is when you drop a piece of content, is there a specific call to action that's dedicated to the person that's watching? And the call to actions that I like to uh, specifically focus on are call to actions that I can control. And what I mean by I can control is I can see what the other person has done. So I'm either asking for a DM, if it's a, an existing audience, I'm asking for a comment, or if I'm trying to grow an audience, I'm asking for a follow. Here's why. When someone follows me, I'm going to be able to see it. So I can then go to their profile, message them and say, thank you so much for following me. I appreciate that I earned your follow. And now that conversation is warm and not cold. If it's a comment, then I can engage in the comments, which drives my posts up. And then if it's a DM, I'm getting to know them better. So if I'm ever in a position to sell online, that conversation is not cold and brand new. So consistent compounding content, clearly communicated to an ideal consumer to drive conversation. All the tactics, just be honest, are BS. Because the tactics are the mechanism, but the strategy falls in that statement. So that's my statement. And I think for what you said, Peter, was spot on. And so many people, myself included, have struggled with that. Let me try to be the person who just puts out so much content at once and see what sticks. When it's like, where's the strategy at? You know, it's funny. I was chatting with uh, Mikkel and Nicole. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, well, we chat all the time about social. And I was, I was saying to them, you know, like years ago, I did these things called Magic Minutes. and. Mm -hmm. these, a lot of businessy stuff, a lot of kind of like, you know, rah, rah, mm -hmm. real estate stuff. And when I was doing it, I loved it. I loved it. And it was like fun and you could feel it and no one was doing it. Uh, uh, and it got a really, really massive, massive result. Then I got kind of hooked on Casey Neistat. So yeah. I began to vlog. Sure. And, and I want to talk about this in a minute. So I know you like the micro content, but I want to, I want to talk to you about this in a minute. I got hooked on Casey, so I started to vlog. And then I'm like, oh my, I learned all of these camera techniques. Sure. Became really good at loads of cameras and loads of lenses. And I'm like, I just don't have the time to, <laughs> to vlog like Casey. So I actually got a stupid, it's normally right by my side. I got a stupid 360 camera, right? An Insta360. Mm. Um, and I just now put it out in front of me. And it's like I got 10 cameras because I can change the angle in post. Sure, sure. And I'm now cranking up my content and I'm, and I'm loving it again. Yeah. And so my question to, to you is, is long form dead? Please say no. <sighs> this is tough. This is tough. My business coach would tell you, lean on the side of short form content because his YouTube shorts are blowing up right now, like literally passing a million mark for every video. Is long form dead? No, because long form is dedicated 
let me just break down the three sections of content here. Think of it like this, grow, nurture, sell. The long form is where you nurture, right? The reels and the Instagram feed videos and the short LinkedIn videos, those are meant to be quick appetizers for the person that's scrolling, push marketing, it's being fed to them, for them to visit your profile. And as long as your profile is optimized, then they're going to dig a little deeper with their curiosity. But here's the thing. You could be surface level great with the micros, but now if I'm supposed to trust you because the three things that um, for people to, to believe in a communicator are their competence, their trust, and their dynamism, which is like how, how they are on the screen and their charisma. For me to trust you, I need to know that you know what the hell it is you're doing. And that's where the long form comes into play. So I've consumed three to 10 reels, right? And I'm like, okay, this person is cool. They know their stuff. Let me see if they can go deep. Now, what am I doing? I'm going to their IGTVs. I'm looking at their podcast. I'm looking at their lives. I'm going to their YouTube. Can this person clearly articulate a thought and the way that they work and break it down in a way that's easy for me to understand outside of just feeding me bite size, you know, appetizer. So I don't think long form is dead as long as it works within your strategy. If you're just trying to grow right now, I wouldn't be focusing too much on long form. Maybe one piece of long form content a week just to maintain that library. Okay, great. great. But you should be you should be focusing hard on short because you're trying to grow an audience. Once you have a dedicated audience, then start nurturing them by creating more long form content. And when you say long form, I'm not telling you to make like a 30 minute documentary. I'm saying anything above two minutes is considered long form at this point. Right. So that's what I would say to that for sure. Great stuff. Great stuff. I'm going to continue to drill down on Instagram sure. uh, a little bit more for completely and utterly selfish reasons. Yes, that's uh, my favorite platform. So that's where I'm most active. <laughs> so Instagram, I think it's kind of, a, it's, it's, it, it's everything. It's Snapchat, it's sure. TikTok, it's YouTube. Yeah. And it's a, it still is photos, but it's heavily concentrating on, on video now. Yeah. What I found was, again, on because I did what so many, I'm sure, of your people have done. I had it my, my kind of ranty, businessy channel. Mm -hmm. But then I had all my family stuff. And all, people loved my family stuff. And I noticed in the analytics, everybody knew I was the ranty guy anyway. And most people were more interested in kind of behind the scenes and family and cooking and travel and all of that stuff. So I've now made a decision to make my Instagram main feed be much more intimate mm. and be much more BTS. And then I'm putting all of my uh, uh, educational and, and podcasts and, you know, like uh, um, if I do like a, a live stream where I'm talking about how to uh, uh, kind of farm an area, mm. I'm still, that still lives on Instagram TV. I'm just not dropping that into the main feed. So my main feed remains curated. And then I use stories to publicize the business stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yes, no, bad. Good, bad. <laughs> I love the questions. It's like good, bad. I'm like, oh, I could go either way here. So with the personal versus the business, what I'm learning, because I stayed only business for the longest time. And now the game is relatability. So someone is going to do business with you because of your competency. So you need to have that there as a business profile regardless. And these are things like you're educating, you're bridging their knowledge gaps, you're sharing problems that they may have and how to solve them. But then if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you are a nomad, those are elements of who you are as a personal brand that they need to see to feel like, okay, this person is like me. They're just ahead of me from a business standpoint. And now I can relate with them even more. So with you, Peter, like it, I think it's dependent on the strategy, right? Your feed is curated. I wouldn't necessarily put the IGTVs just on IGTV because if your feed is so well curated and people are staying on your profile, then they're showing love on the relatable personal posts. And then they're like, oh, what's this? Oh, oh, this IG, oh, he's going in here. Let me check more out. And then there's a, let's say there's a call to action to your stories and they go to your stories and it's like, oh, this, whoa, what's happening here? So I think it's a mixed bag, but don't go so no personal and all business and don't go all personal, no business, especially if you're a professional profile, right? And within reason of what you're comfortable sharing from a personal standpoint. 
and it's interesting because what I do like about what what you say and uh, and I guess almost kind of what what many many thought leaders say in this arena is I like to reverse engineer right I like to start mm. with the end point mm. and then work backwards and when I was doing um, you know when I was doing the Netflix show that was different like I was it, things were blowing up because I was uh, a host of a TV show yeah and I kind of went in that direction but then I'm like okay what do I really want here. And if I remove all ego and if I remove all kind of like, you know, fabulous sprinkly stardust bullshit, yeah. <laughs> what do I want? I want to provide for my family and I want to provide for the people I work with. Amen. Right. That's Amen. the number one. In fact, that's the only. Facts. And so my, I know that my sphere of influence in Los Angeles as a real estate agent and a real estate broker is pretty great. I've got a mm. really large sphere of influence. I made the decision that I don't need to keep sending out businessy preachy stuff about real estate. Mm. They already know I got it. I've been doing it 15 years and I've done pretty well. Boom. They're more interested in the, in the more intimate behind the scenes stuff. But then I do like to speak to a bunch of agents. So I've now curated different channels within Instagram TV mm. where agents can go there and get their fix on, you know, how to game the system if you're a new agent. Mm. And then I'd use stories as basically like a freaking, you get like a, like a, like a breakfast buffet <laughs> all into a freaking garbage bag. You shake it. Yeah. You piece it out bit by bit by bit. Yeah. And I promote all over the place. Definitely. So that's, I don't know if my theory is sound, but that's kind of a newer direction for us. The, the key is I'm enjoying it and I'm yes. loving it again. Amen. I felt chained to social. Amen. Yes. Yes. What you said something so powerful that I hope people didn't miss. And this is what we talk about whenever I start with a client, the strategy that I'm always talking about. Peter is, Peter's been doing this for over 15 years. Peter has notoriety with a Netflix show. Peter has a sphere of influence that's the Rolodex is deep. You trying to do what Peter does when you're in the early stage of your business is a failed strategy. That's why Peter can get away with a personalized feed. So you have to ask the same questions that Peter answered for himself for yourself. Where are you at in the business? How big is your sphere of influence? Who are you trying to attract? What do they need from you right now based on where you're at and where they're at? With Peter, they need to see him living that life, living that life of being a person who has a sphere of influence. And they already know that he has the chops. So he's able to, seg uh, he's able to ostracize the content that way. For you, it may be different. You may have to lean super heavy on the educational business in the beginning to build your thought leadership, to build your authority, to build your trust. Like me, that's where I'm at now. And then when you're at a stage like Peter, the strategy changes. Okay, people want to see the behind the scenes of your life, Mr. and Mrs. whoever. So we need to kind of shift more towards that. So I hope they didn't miss what you just said, which was super powerful, is they have to decide who are they while they're making the content and who they need to attract at the stage that they're at versus the stage that the audience is at and then curate accordingly. Yeah, 1000%. And I'm going to share one little anecdote. I, I feel like I've lived a thousand lives. But <laughs> when I was leaving the music business, I decided to exit the music business. I was a, uh, I don't know if you kind of know but Mo, but I was a big EDM record producer DJ in the 90s before you were born. <laughs> and um, House music aficionado, right? Aficionado. Yeah, yes, aficionado. Yeah. I don't know why I said that wrong. <laughs> like, but, I remember uh, when I was a gun for hire, right? I was a remixer mm. for hire and a producer for hire. And I remember thinking, right? Very sick. You'll, you'll get the, you'll get the parallels. I remember sitting there thinking I used to work for Warner brothers and Sony and all of the big labels and a lot of big mm. artists. And I remember when I was getting hired, I would think, Oh, okay. Well, Gordon, he's the A&R guy over at Sony. He likes this certain sound. Mm. And then Bobby over at Warner brothers, he kind of likes it a little bit more kind of tropical house. And, mm. and then, you know, homeboy over here, he likes it, whatever. All right. and, and I found myself like baking cakes to order. And, mm. and it was awful because I needed to, to live and survive. And did, I did great. And, and, I, and I felt chained to the industry. And then I had this moment of, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. Fuck it. <laughs> and and I, uh, this was when I was drinking, yeah. which was a long, long time ago. I got hammered and I just decided to write a song for me. And I'm like, I don't care if no one hears it, but me, 
I know my mom's going to like it. And that's facts. Cool. Facts. And, and I sat down and I wrote it and I sang on it. And I was like, you know, there just bearing my soul, sent it off to a label. And they said, yeah, we like it. And then ended up being the biggest hit I ever did. And that was when I was afraid, when I was not afraid if yes. no one liked it. Yes. And I think yes. the parallel with social is if you're a young, not young, if you're just an entrepreneur, you might be starting a business at 55. Don't be afraid or don't feel that you need to conform. Mm. If you're recording shit and at the end of it, you don't get that. Eh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have that reaction. You're doing Thanks. the wrong shit. Facts. Facts. If you're just appeasing the algorithm, I relate to that story so much as someone who raps, right? Like if I'm spitting bars and I'm writing bars and I'm like, yo, this is, what am I doing here? Like, this is kind of trash. And then when I'm in, when I'm in my element and I'm writing in a way that, that makes me perk up, that makes, you know, I'm sitting there battle rapping the air in the middle of my room where, you know, no one is there, but I'm like, I'm going to eat you up alive while I'm, that's when I know it hits. And I think what I tell my clients, when we first start in the strategy is what are your catalyst points? Because everyone sometimes, again, leaning too much on the business side, when I ask what your catalyst points on, think of Gary Vee, for example, how many times does Gary Vee talk about how he lost on Uber? How many times does Gary Vee talk about that? He took his, um, uh, his father's store from 2 million to 60 million. How many times does he talk about like micro failures or, or micro successes? So I want you to identify your catalyst points. Peter's that he just said is like that moment when he produced for himself, that was a mindset shifting moment for his life. For me, it's when I decided against everything that my family would have expected that I wasn't going to get a PhD. That was a terrifying moment for me to sit down with my mom, who's a seasoned, well-known person in her industry, as far as education professor, the reason why I'm even in the States and tell her like, yo, I don't think. I don't think I'm going to get a PhD to my PhD mom. And I use that story in my content. I use that story in how I present myself as a former academic now turned marketer because it's a part of who I am. So I want you to like go back in your timeline and ask yourself, what are your catalyst points and write three to five of them down and bring them up constantly. Because when you do that, what does that do? It makes you relatable. When I heard that story from Peter, I was like, yo, I rap. I know exactly what you're talking about. And when I hear him say that in his content or on his show, I'm like, I, if I ever needed a house in Los Angeles, who am I going to call? Somebody who on a, on a like spiritual human level, I can relate with. And you're right. People don't want to show that because th this is what they're scared of hearing. Who, who are you to be doing this? What do you, what do you, you, are you crazy? Like just stick in your lane and show us some listing videos. And it's like, no, one of my clients, um, Matt, I can't remember his last name right now, which is horrible of me right, right now. But <laughs> if you're listening, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Layton, Matt Layton, Matt Layton. Sorry, Matt Layton. Amazing uh, real estate agents out of, out of Washington. Everyone should go to his YouTube right now. His ability to create comedic skits as a prelim to his listing video is genius. No one can outbeat him there. Why? Because he actually enjoys creating skits and then going into the listing video. So when you identify those catalyst points of yours, you can then start to identify how are you going to communicate the content? Like, I'd love to see a house EDM track with Peter, right? Doing something related to real estate. That hybrid is such a beautiful mix that no one can take away from him. Like me, I literally got people uh, becoming my clients because they saw a video of me wrapping a tutorial. You know, I saw this video. I want to do work. I love rap too. I want to do work with you. And we got into the DMs and the rest is history. So I think what you just said was super powerful, super, super powerful. Yeah, dude, your, 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 uh, your Instagram is on point. I mean, if you, you need to go to Mo's, uh, Mo's Instagram account, all of it will be posted everywhere. But you, you, it's just if you're looking to, to kind of have a, a tutorial on how to understand how this works, you just got you to gotta look. You got you to gotta listen to what he's saying because it is so ridiculously on point. And... That's love. Thank the you. Big, the big takeaway for you guys out there is, um, you know, what, what I love about social is it evolves like next year, yeah. it will be something else. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the consistent thread through it is 
and this is why I, I used to use this phrase, trying to figure out social media is like trying to catch a greased pig. Right? The <laughs> moment you get your arms around it, oink, it changes. Bags. Bags. So I, I, and I love what you said. Oh my God, thank you so much for saying this. If nothing else, you said this phrase. If you don't vibe on like miming on, on TikTok or doing dance routines or shit like that. Don't do it. I don't. Then don't do it because you will appear inauthentic and lose people, right? You'll yes. defeat the whole object. Yes. Yes. Like, just sit there for a second and ask yourself this question. Whose content have I seen that I, after seeing one piece, I started to binge the rest of their content? Once you identify that person, ask yourself, why did I binge their content? What about them as a personality? And what about the content? And just list three to five things. And then on the flip side, ask yourself, whose content did I watch? And just immediately shun them. And I was like, no, not for me. There's going to be three elements. One, the content itself wasn't good from a, from a making, from a information, the personality. Well, let me, before I get into that one, because that's going to be the. The, the end point you just weren't their audience or number three you could tell without a shadow of a fucking doubt that their personality was try hard meaning they were trying to implement things that didn't resonate with their personal brand that you could tell were just there the magnets were not connecting and you then felt what this person is not trustworthy because they don't trust in themselves enough to portray themselves as authentically as possible and that, when I learned that, because I'm, a, I'm like a former perfectionist. So like 4.0 student, summa cum laude, on all that kind of stuff. First son. So the expectations on me are very high. So my goal is to always present myself in the most perfect light. When I shed that and started sharing stories like when I failed on stage in front of a, a thousand people during a rap performance, when I was bullied in elementary school for being a Egyptian Arab American. That's when people started DMing me, when I started wrapping tutorials, because they saw that without a shadow of a doubt, I was 100%, and I'm still growing, right? But to the best of my ability, comfortable in portraying myself authentically. You can't try to be authentic. You just have to be, right? So, and, and for everyone listening, there's no coincidence that Peter is so successful with a Netflix show and all that, because he arrives as he is, and you're like, I fucks with him. Like that, that's just it. And I'm not trying to be fluffy, but they're there. And the way to do that is to just train yourself with putting that content out there in smaller doses. As you build that tolerance up for being able to be okay with putting yourself out there, then you increase that tolerance more and more, more and more. Yeah. I mean, amen. I mean, my God, this is just like, Oh, it's just, I mean, people have been hearing it for years. Just be yourself, but like really, really be yourself. So I'm going to give you a, a, a case, a, a test case. So my, my missus, my lovely missus, Cindy. Um, hey, Cindy. She has never really, never, never, she's never been interested in kind of doing videos and what have you and going bonkers like I have. I vlog everything. I'll, I'll vlog opening a paper bag, you know? And um, <laughs> she is like, whatever, do your thing. She's very tolerant when we go on vacation. I used to sure. have like armfuls of cameras and make them walk into rooms like three times. I don't need to do that now with the, with the 360 camera. But anyway, so then she has a real passion for she she my wife is Vietnamese and she is uh kind of rediscovering her her Vietnamese uh not rediscovering Vietnamese food but she wants to be able to cook it really really well. Mm. And so she's been like trying all of these Vietnamese recipes and she's just been doing quick little Instagram stories of yes. her cooking, right? And she's getting Hundreds and hundreds, I believe and it. Hundreds <laughs> of views from our beautiful, gorgeous bullseye sphere of influence. I believe and it's it. Turning into into sales because people they know she sells houses. We work together. They don't need to see her like we closed another one. They will love <laughs> that she's yeah. like I use this specific basil that that comes from Thailand. Mm. It works better with the far, you know, the 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 Vietnamese soup. So all our mates are tuning in and we go out for dinner, right? I make, I make a point of going out every Friday for dinner with a, with a, with a client. And they all talk, nobody talks about my vlogs. They all talk about her cooking. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. 
Sure. Sure. I believe it. I learned something from uh, Nikki Saunders, who uh, is the creative director for ET, the hip hop preacher, you know, ET, the, he's, he's constant, the motivational speaker. And she said something that for some reason, when I heard it, when she said it, I was like, damn, this resonates so much. The game and the sales is not what people get after they consume your content. Like they go and buy something from the game is the content. It is the content. So there are people now monetizing the actual content that they're creating. And it's not, and it's not just the information, but it's the person communicating the content that then becomes the, the, um, the, what's the word? Like the one in control during meetings where brands want them versus the other way around. Like instead of you seeking out a brand to work with, they're coming to you. Yo, you've mastered content. You have an, an engaged audience. We want you to do something for us because of your ability to command attention. So when I hear about your wife, it's like, there's so many elements there that make so much sense. One, the relatability, the culture, the other people seeing themselves in her because of, you know, they may be Vietnamese, all of these different things that they're just marking off. And even just the desire of like, what don't I know that I'm now being enriched from a cultural standpoint for her, the content is the game because how many people can sell houses? So many, but not, not, not a lot of them are Peter. Not all of them are Peter. Who's, who's talking about traditional Vietnamese cooking? Hardly anybody. So now she's like the person. So when I heard that from Nikki, I was like, damn. So if that doesn't inspire you to, to show off, <laughs> to be creating for yourself. Like, I don't know what does. I don't know what does. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about a client of yours who's a mate of mine, Neil, right? So that's my guy, Neil, who I love. Now I met Neil, at, uh, agent, was it agent 2021? Maybe it was, that was the name of it. Yeah. Uh, which was Gary V's thing. I was speaking down there. Yeah. Um, and I, I met, met Neil, I met him a couple of times and he's a soft spoken dude, Yeah. like a really nice, super lovely mortgage dude. Yeah. And, and he was like, he always, me and him always vibed because he said, I really love your content, Pete. And, um, and then I, you kind of started working with him yeah. and you chiseled out a direction with him. And now not only is his following kind of getting pretty massive he's now getting speaking gigs he's become that thought leader he's become the people that who are in the mortgage industry and people who want mortgages look up to so mm. let's t tell me a little bit about about neil because neil's a badass neil is a badass and what neil's really good at is relationships so when we first started communicating together and the strategy that we talked about i was like Outside of mortgage, because we can answer these questions all the time, like, what is the element that no one can recreate from you? And Neil has this amazing capacity to connect with people that you would consider like five stages away from you, right? Like you have your sphere of influence and then you have people that you see on social and you're like, I can never talk to them. So we first started by what, who are the powerhouses that you're communicating with and why are you connecting with them? And we made sure that that was the kind of content that we started breaking down. And another part of the strategy for us was whenever we do an interview, let's go ahead and send them something that's for them because he's big on the relationship piece. So in addition to cutting stuff for him, we'd actually take segments from his podcast where the, per the guest was speaking and create content for them and send it to them. And we, tried, we, started, to, we started to identify like, Outside of the mortgage space, and this was the beauty, it's like going back to the personality. Like you said, Neil is a soft-spoken person. Neil is the last person you'd expect to be on video. And he'll say that. He'll, he'll say that. He'll be like, video was the hardest thing for me to do. I almost gave up after the first vlog that I did. So we leaned into the fact that as a mortgage officer, someone who does something on paper is very boring or real estate, like a real estate broker, it's boring when you think about it. How can we empower other people like me to see that they can do it too? And when we took that angle, plus the relationship and just like literally multiplied his conversations into smaller forms of content, that's when we saw that, um, 
kind of trajection upward. And he brought in an in-house team after we, we started doing all the, fo- the foundational content for him and still creating content for him. And now it's just the explosion is ridiculous for him because he's putting out at scale. And he's, he's a good dude. He is a good dude. Would you give him my love when you speak to him? He's a, he's a, he's a really good dude. I will. I will. I'm, uh, I, he, I believe he's having a content day where he's bringing in people back to the relationships thing. He's teaching what he's been able to do to other people in Vegas, in his office. And uh, I'm based on conversations, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be speaking there. So when I see him, I'll be like, yo, I was on Peter's podcast. He's amazing. And he said to show you love. So here we are. Yeah, yeah he's a good dude. I'm so glad to, 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 cause, and I say this with nothing but love and respect for Neil. If Neil can do it, Facts. anyone can do it, right? Because he was like, you know, he doesn't, it didn't leap out of the room. I'm a loud, obnoxious British mm-hmm. guy. Neil's a gentleman, like a, a true, like, you know, sweet man. And, and so if Neil can kind of break through his fears and, and trust Mo and his team, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there, there is no reason why uh, uh, many of us, uh, or those of you who are sitting on the fence, can't break through too. I want to touch upon, I've got a couple of last little points. Yeah, please. One is... Um, the fear of looking bad, other people's opinions, like expectations is something that I despise. I always live completely and utterly out of expectations mm. and I live in action with ambition, right? I've got lots of ambition, but the results are none of my goddamn business. That's up to mother universe. Mm. All my job is, my job is to work and my job That's is powerful. to put in my, my time, mm. but the results are up to her. Mm. And what that's done is I have to say, I learned that off my lovely Buddhist missus. Um, uh, now that I've embraced that and it took a while, but I've embraced it for the past half a decade or so. It's a beautiful way to live, dude. So Mm. let's talk about fears and other people's opinions. This is probably the outside of comms and marketing psych and mindset are my baby. Like it's what I love. And I'll tell you in 2020, I was in a very dark place mentally and emotionally. You can call it the pandemic. You can call it whatever. I take full accountability that it was myself allowing myself to get there. I was in this place where I was not producing, laying on the couch for hours on end. And I started developing this mindset of like jealousy and envy and telling myself like, why are my colleagues able to uh, get the results that they're getting? Why are my colleagues so successful? Like I know I'm capable, et cetera. Dark, dark place. And I started reading, going back to my academic roots, literature about fear and imposter syndrome and perfectionism. And I, and I read this article by Dr. Carl Albrecht. He talks about something called the fear-archy. So we think that there's all these different fears. There's actually only five fears that govern all of these other fears. And I'll tell you the five, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to focus on the two to answer your question that I think every time I talk about this has been like the most impeccable unlock for so many people. The first one is the fear of death. Pretty simple. So when you say like, I have a fear of heights. No, you have a fear of falling to your death. That's number one. Second one is mutilation, which is you're scared of like getting hurt, bodily damage. All these are derived from our, our like evolutionary human caveman statuses, right? The third one is the fear of confinement. You don't like to not be free. Let's just nix those three. Let's talk about the last two. The second to last one on this pyramid, the hierarchy of fear, the feararchy, is the fear of not belonging. We as human beings, and this is part of my academic research, have a fundamental need. It's a fundamental need to belong. That's why we've always traveled in packs and groups in the past for survival. But now with the world not being, there's no dinosaurs or cheetahs or fucking whatever trying to kill you. It's an emotional fear. We feel like if we're not loved and we're ostracized, then we're less than. And the brain literally, you can look this up, translates that loneliness to equate like you're being hurt physically. It thinks of it as physical pain. So what do we do? This, this was the fucking unlock for me. Our brain goes into what it did in the past, which is avoidance. Well, to avoid not, not belonging, I'm going to stay comfortable. I'm going to stay safe. 
I'm going to stay in a position where everyone will accept me so I don't hurt any feelings or I don't test boundaries out of fear of not belonging. So if you're scared to make content and you're worried about other people's opinions, that's why all the gurus say other people's opinions. That's why. It's you're scared that you're going to be ostracized, your family, your community, your colleagues, your business partners, et cetera, et cetera, and the third, and you're going to be alone. So let's just pause there. If that's you, think about that, the fear of belonging. The last one, Peter, is what messed me up. It's called ego death. You talked about it earlier. And this is where I fell in. Former perfectionist, oldest son, summa cum laude, all that kind of stuff. This is the equivalent of fear of failure. You have a specific image of yourself known as your self-esteem. I'm the perfect son. I do nothing wrong. I 4.0. Everything I do touches to gold. So the fucking idea of doing something like a piece of content and it not working, quote unquote, or it not going viral goes against your ego. So what do you do? You avoid it completely and you don't do it. But the crazy part about those last two is that the only way to overcome is through. You have to actually do those things for your body, mind, emotions, and spirit to get used to the sensation that this is not a real fear. It's an imagined fear. So ask yourself, am I going to die? Am I going to get hurt? Is someone going to get hurt from me trying to put out content? No, then it's your brain trying to keep you safe from not belonging, which is anxiety, just manifesting itself, catastrophizing itself, or it's your ego saying, no, 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 no. If we do that, we might fail. And, you know, we're trying to stay looking good. So take a step back and ask yourself that question. Is what's stopping you a real fear or is it an imagined fear? And once you recognize that it's an imagined fear, then ask yourself, what's the smallest thing that I can do to get used to the sensation of overcoming that fear? It may not be like Peter, where you're on a Netflix show or creating content or like Neil at at scale. Maybe it's just showing up on your story that goes away after 24 hours because it's low risk. But we want to get our body, minds, and and spirit used to that sensation. Powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff. For me, the the analogy that I use with fear, because for me, I, I, you know, in business and in sobriety, I coach a lot of guys. um, And it's always fear and ego and facts ego is fear of what other people think. Yeah. And, and, and for me, I had to realize that, that fear is really just a schoolyard bully. It's not yes. real. I don't, I don't have a missile coming towards my head or a car coming towards my body. Yes. Right. Fear is, is a schoolyard bully. And just like all school schoolyard bullies, if you stand up and tell it to fuck off, it <laughs> yeah. goes away. Yeah. Right. It stops being the, it's like Scooby-Doo. You pull the, you pull the, the, the kind of rubber mask off. All right. The, all right. The clerk and it, <laughs> you're not a monster after all. Yeah. You know? And it loses all its power. When we stand up to it, it loses its power. Yeah. It's fear, ladies and gentlemen, unless it's confinement, mutilation, or death is absolutely about as real as the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Facts. Facts. I love the analogy. You're such a good communicator because people that are able to use metaphors and analogies like this to drive a point home, sometimes I get too academic. So hearing the Wizard of Oz and Emerald City, I'm like, yes, that's it. That's it. Yes. That's it. And so, it's not your fault. It's not even your fault. You've literally been programmed as a human being to feel this way, to protect yourself from dying. We just happen to be so much more evolved that this fear doesn't exist in the physical world and it's all in our head and we catastrophize it to a point where we stay stagnant. And that to me is death because I've, I know what depression feels like when I'm not moving and doing something that fulfills my inner being, you know? Yeah. Death, death by procrastination to me seems to be the, the, the most obvious way to just shuffle off this mortal coil so well listen mo i think it's quite apparent you need to come back so can you come back on my show in a few months because hell yeah i would be honored i would be honored you're you're awesome dude you are you are a 
you're one of the nicest guys. Your your demeanor, your everything. In fact, you you did achieve that PhD because you are a <laughs> perfectly humble dude. You really are. You're just like you give it all away. Which my is, guy. By the way, that's the real secret. <laughs> give it away. Whatever you know, you just give it away. Give it to the person that can take the business from you. It's amazing. The universe takes care yeah. of the rest. But that's for another podcast. Where can people find you? Yeah, the best place to, to link up with your boy is on Instagram. That's at Mo Isma. So M-O-I-S-M-A-I. Hit me in the DMs. That's probably where you're going to get like, I'll answer you. Trust me, I'll answer you. Um, all, your, all your video content desires uh, are going to be on my page. And uh, I'm super, super humbled to be here. Thank you so much. Shout out to Nicole, by the way, for connecting us. And uh, just to, it's it's an honor to be talking with you, man. And also real. go on his website as well. What's the website address? You got yes, yes, yes. Uh, www.mocs.media. Yeah, all the, all the client work, all the stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. It, it's sick stuff. Mo, you are the best, dude. Um, brother, likewise, you know, right back at you. You're like my kid brother now at this point. So uh, <laughs> That's a thank fact. you very, very, very much for being on the show. It's an honor and a privilege to have you, sir. And we will look forward to getting you again in, in, a next, in the next few months. So thank you, that's brother. it, ladies and gentlemen, for the podcast. Mo is a splendiferous guest. Uh, will I be able to match him next time? Doubtful. But I'll do my best on the next Real Estate Entrepreneur podcast with yours truly, Pete Lorimer. Don't forget to subscribe, share it, and send love to everyone. Not just people you know, everyone. Out. That's about it for the podcast this week. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back again next week with another topic and another great podcast. So don't forget to hit that button and subscribe. Until next time, take care and I will see you later.